I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. Hey, this is Jeff. In February of 2020, one of the last things TJ and I did together before COVID was to throw an epic Enneagram conference we called Liberation. In it, we elevated the Enneagram as a tool not only to see ourselves and our motives, but to see our obstacles and how to overcome them. We were very proud of this material, though we had to cancel all of our remaining 2020 events. Over the next few weeks, we will be releasing clips from that conference with the hope that not only you'll share it, but that we can begin creating our next touring event for 2022. Thank you again, as always, for listening, and may all good things be yours. Alice falls down a rabbit hole, and she wakes up in a foreign land, and she looks up, and she tries to get her bearings. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know how to get back home, but she sees off in the distance a caterpillar smoking a hookah on a mushroom, and she thinks to herself, that guy looks reliable, and she goes over to him, and she says, nothing, and he says, nothing, but eventually he does take the hookah out of his mouth, he looks at her, and he says, who are you? And you know this, but do you know Alice's answer? Alice looks at him and she says, I hardly know, sir. And here's the thing, all great adventures, all great stories begin with that question, who are you? And all great answers to those questions begin with humility. So I'd love for you, before we get into Enneagram, whatever that is, I would love for you to take out a piece of paper if you don't have one in front of you already. And I would love for you to answer that question. Who are you? Shout out some answers. Somebody uh, just shout out one thing on your paper. Some of you are quite bold. Care. Care, good. Who are you? Say it again. Daughter of God, beautiful. Who are you? Yeah, you are. <laughs> I am Jeff Cook. I am a philosopher, pastor, writer in Greeley, Colorado. This is the TJ Wilson. Hello. Coffee guru, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. It sounds like we've practiced that. <laughs> who are you matters. And it matters because once you can establish who you are, this is the beginning of the story. Rob Bell, uh, author, tells another story about a medieval peasant who stumbles out of the pub one day, and he's going down the path towards his home. But since he's drunk, he takes the wrong path. He ends up on the wrong side of the river in front of a castle, and on top of the wall is a sentry who is looking down on him quite suspiciously and angrily and violently. And he says, who are you? What do you want? And the peasant being kind of in a stupor, is confused and doesn't know exactly what to say. And again, the sentry yells down at him, who are you? 
what do you want? And the peasant says, how much do they pay you to do this job? <laughs> and now the sentry is kind of confused. And he looks down. He says some figure. And the peasant says, I will pay you twice that amount if you come to my house every morning and ask me those two questions. And that story burns me. Every time I tell that story, I like get a little tingle. And I'm like, that's it. Who are you? What do you want? I bet you those two questions are tied together somehow. And I bet we could take time again to look at our piece of paper and answer the question, what do you want? This is all we're going to talk about today, is who are you and what do you want? How many of you, when answering these questions, the answers to those two questions, they actually go together in some significant ways? How many of you don't like raising your hands? <laughs> see, I thought so. There is something, and we will see this, that questions of identity, who am I? actually very much emerge from and are tied to, are grounded in, what do I want? How many of you had a very difficult time answering either of those two questions? You came to the right workshop. Um, there is the scene at the end of the fantastic Crocodile Dundee, which I saw when I was nine and decided to speak in an Australian accent for the next two months, which nobody in my family enjoyed. At the end of Crocodile Dundee, the woman has come into this space where she gets to proclaim what she wants. What's up, lady? I gotta talk to that man down the end. The one in the black hat. Hey! Lady here wants to talk to the guy in the black hat. Hey, fella! You in the hat! The lady down the end wants to see you. What does she want? What does she want? What do you want? Tell him not to leave. I'm not going to marry Richard. Tell him don't leave. She's not going to marry Richard. Don't leave. I'm not going to marry Richard. Why not? I don't know. Why not? Why not? culmination of her story and it's the beginning of the story because those two are going to live happily ever after. That's how stories work. We're going to talk quite a bit about stories, specifically your story. Um, let's talk about stories for a minute. Once upon a time, in the land of none, the princess was put under a curse 
by a wicked enemy who slipped past the castle guard. The king was beside himself. He realized that the only way to awaken his daughter was with the magic apple from the tree in the middle of the garden at the western end of the world. However, Clive, the wicked blue dragon, guarded the magic apple tree. No one had confronted Clive and lived. But if a magic apple was not retrieved soon, the king knew his daughter would be lost forever. So being a strategic, no-nonsense kind of guy, King gathered all his military men, he outfitted them with AK-47s and Hummers, and they considered the map, necessary supplies, potential enemies, set out. They arrived at the Magic Garden, men saw Clive, shot him dead, ran over his smoldering body. Crew bulldozed through the garden wall, snatched the Magic Apple, returned to their kingdom, making sure to run over the body of the dragon again for fun, because it's those kind of guys. They arrived home with the Magic Apple, brought it to the chamber, presented it to the king, who was able to awaken his princess. No problems, no growth, no real danger. This is not a story we're telling. This is a trip to Walgreens for a prescription apple. <laughs> Good stories, and you will know this, require impossible odds. They require dangers to overcome. Good stories require witches and ogres and singing swords and a six-figure man and hobbits and stuff. But above all, good stories require growth. They will move the hero in the story, those who would make the world right. They will see them tested and they will battle and they will become something much more than they were at the beginning of the story. So here's a better tale. <clears throat> the princess has been poisoned, and the ailing king panics. He assembles his whole kingdom together and says, someone must retrieve the apple in the middle of the garden at the western end of the world, guarded by the vicious blue dragon, Clive. Is anyone here brave enough to save my daughter from this wicked spell? And a hush falls over the crowd because even the strongest men in the kingdom know the blue dragon has decimated whole armies in the past. The crowd slowly begins then to disperse, but a small hand in the back raises and a 12 year old boy walks forward and he says to the king, I will go because I love her. And the king has no other options. He sends the young boy to retrieve the apple. Along the road to the west, the boy meets an old sorcerer who becomes his friend, and they rescue a mouse from the clutches of the salamander king who becomes their guide, and the boy and his old friend are then attacked by a clan of lizard men who imprison them in the dungeon lair directly east of Clive's garden, but the boy being lean, you know, enough to slide through bars, and he alone is able to follow the foul smell to the dragon's lair. Once in sight of Clive, Clive, the boy, through wit and cunning, tricks the dragon, retrieves an old apple, journeys home, having done what no one else in the kingdom could do, and he touches the apple to the princess's lips. She awakens and asks for a cheeseburger, because, you know, she's been asleep for a long time. She's kind of hungry. And then she sees her liberator, and she kisses him, and they live Opposition, peril. Hopefully it's the case that the second story captures your imagination more than the first. 
And there's a reason. There's a basic truth about stories, about all stories, all good stories. And we all know this, and it's worth internalizing. A story is always about a character who wants something. And they overcome an obstacle to get it. Bilbo Baggins is content in his hobbit hole, but Gandalf the wizard comes and invites Bilbo to step beyond his bourgeois life and enter a world of adventure. And his story climaxes as the hobbit from the Shire confronts a dragon. He finds Smog's weakness. Bilbo becomes a small part of the reclamation of the ancestral home of the dwarves, and he brings salvation to those of Lake Town. And this is a story. Character wants something, overcomes obstacles to get it. Hiccup is a young iron worker who just wants to connect with his dad, stay true to himself, win the heart of a Viking girl, and just not get made fun of anymore. And his story climaxes not with the killing of a dragon, but it's taming, it's training. That's what the movie's called. Through his skills, he saves his village. Through his skills, he wins the affection of this girl. He earns his father's respect. That's a good story. The best, and I know you're waiting for this because we've been talking about dragons. The best of all the modern knights fighting dragon stories is, of course, The Silence of the Lambs. Now, <laughs> Clary Starling. By the way, number six on the American Film Institute's list for best heroes. She is a young knight, I mean, an FBI student. And there's been a kidnapping of a princess, I mean, a senator's daughter. And there is a lead, and she is sent down into the dragon lair to get the secret magic that will save the princess. And you know he's a dragon, because he eats people. <laughs> Here's the thing, if this knight is able to tame the dragon, to learn his magic, she will have the tools not only to save the princess, but in the process, she is going to save herself because she is actually the princess who's in bondage. She has obstacles to overcome, and they're all the ones that she brought with her into that space. Dragons in film are often symbols of the obstacles that you and I face. Bilbo, Hiccup, Clarice, they're all characters, and they're in a story, and they want something, and they overcome an obstacle to get it. Last exercise for us as we're moving forward. You are, you are somebody. You are somebody. You are a character who wants something. You have an identity, and you have passions. What is the story that you find yourself in? What obstacle is in front of you that you are finding, I must overcome this? Again, let's take three or four minutes to write down some thoughts. Rocky, what brings you here tonight? Mr. Jurgis, the post is wrong. What do you mean? Well, I'm wearing white pants with a red stripe. It doesn't really matter, does it? 
I'm sure you're going to give us a great show. Try to get some rest, kid. Good night. still standing. I'm going to know for the first time in my life, see, that I weren't just another bum from the neighborhood. Story. It's about a character. Once something is going to overcome this obstacle to get it. Who is Luke Skywalker? If he doesn't want to join a rebellion and become a Jedi Knight like his father, who is Dorothy Gale if she doesn't want to return home? Who is William Wallace if he doesn't want? He's not crying out for a milkshake right here. He wants something robust and tangible and he's willing to give all of himself for it. Who is Furiosa if she doesn't want to escape to the green place? Who is Andy Dufresne if he doesn't want to escape Shawshank and go where the sea is blue and has no memory? Who is Ron Burgundy if he's not delivering the news for San Diego? I will tell you who Ron Burgundy is. He's a drunk, and we all know it because we saw the movie. Who is Rocky if he doesn't go the distance with the champ? Which for him means he is proven to himself. He wants to be more than just another bum from the neighborhood because if he can do that, then he is worthy to have the love and affection of the woman who he longs for. And that's how the, the story ends. If you haven't seen Rocky, here's a spoiler. He goes the distance with the champ and he loses the fight. But of course he doesn't lose. He wins the thing that's most worth having. And she runs up to him at the end, even though she's really, really shy. It's such a good story. Who we are, what we want, these things are in 
separable. One of my favorite quotes is from the great Donald Miller. Talking about the story, he begins one of his books. If you watched a movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo and worked for years to get it, you wouldn't cry at the end when he drove off the lot testing the windshield wipers. You wouldn't tell your friends you saw a beautiful movie or go home and put a record on to think about the story you'd just seen. Truth is, you wouldn't remember that movie a week later, except you'd feel robbed and want your money back. Nobody cries at the end of a movie about a guy who wants a Volvo. Except for me, I cried all the movies. <laughs> but we spend years actually living those stories and expect our lives to be meaningful. And the truth is, if what we choose to do with our lives won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. How many of you feel that, that quote? This is the challenge. Sometimes we don't have a healthy sense of who we are. Don't have an understanding, a depthy understanding of what we want. And so we find ourselves fighting worthless battles and achieving meaningless victories that make for an awful story. And so you might ask, how does life get better? It may begin with identity and desire and putting a very strong name to the idea, what do I want? And the best tool, in my experience, and his as well, for talking about what you want is the Enneagram. We are gonna pick this up again next week. In the meantime, it may be very valuable to create time to pause and to focus on those three questions. Who are you? What do you want? What are the obstacles to getting it? As always, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. And if our work brings your life value, the best thing you can do is share our podcast with one person you care about. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are. Because that's where the gold is. Morning will come burning. <laughs>